we all know that when if this is going badly. <laughs> Everybody's so quiet. Hello and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers Podcast, where four homeschooling mamas with a combined 32 years of experience homeschooling our 12 kids, and our homeschools are anything but Pinterest perfect. Whether you are a veteran homeschooler, a new homeschooler, or just homeschool curious, we want to encourage you in your homeschooling journey and offer you practical tips and tools to make your homeschooling life easier. We're so glad you're here. I'm Harmony Harkama. My co-hosts are Annie Carlson, Heather Gerwing, and Lindsay Hufford. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Relatable Homeschoolers. This is episode one. And today we're talking about thinking like a homeschooler. Public school parents probably think about school as someplace your kids go. They spend six hours a day sitting at a desk, eating in the cafeteria, playing outside at recess if they're younger. And when you start to look at homeschooling, the scope of what education is and what learning is can change. So I know for me, thinking like a homeschooler meant really rewiring my brain to think about education beyond just learning outcomes and standardized test scores and grades to what does our home life look like? That homeschooling is is more than just academics. It's a whole way of looking at how you live. And so for us, that's taken on a really varied approach. I think for me too, for me, like one of the biggest things is that I have to continually be open to thinking something else. Just because I think something for one year or one season even, my mentality continually shifts as my kids get older because what works for one age and one stage of life doesn't work for the next stage of life, right? And you've got to continually be thinking and changing your approach to homeschooling. Yeah, I'd agree with that. When I think of what it means to think like a homeschooler, I think of curiosity and flexibility. Those are two things that have really served us well in our homeschooling journey. It was a bit of a struggle at first because growing up in the public school system, I had a very concrete idea of what learning and education should look like. And that meant that our first couple years of homeschooling was a lot of rote memorization with my kids at little tiny desks, workbooks and worksheets. I've learned to be much more flexible in what I think learning looks like. My kids rarely do anything at a desk anymore, for one thing. We don't really do grades in our homeschool because I can see how their learning is progressing and how they're growing without them. So that's something that has really changed for me in thinking like a homeschooler versus thinking like someone who is more traditionally educating their children. Well, I know we're all aware right now that there are a lot of parents who've kind of been thrown into homeschooling. Either they're trying to help their kids keep up with online learning at their public schools because of COVID-19, or they're actually considering as we get near to the next school year, how are we going to do school this next year? Should we send our kids to school? Some school districts are talking about hybrid programs where students come in part of the week and then they're home the rest of the week. And parents are really shaken up by this. And I know there's a lot of people asking, should I just step away from public school for a while and homeschool? And if I did, what would that look like? And how do I think about it? You know, and our concept of traditional school in America is that you show up in the morning and you're at school for six, seven hours a day. And parents think, how do I do six, seven hours a day of school with my children when they're at home? And the reality is that when you think like a homeschooler, you're not doing six or seven hours of instruction. You don't need to do that. You don't have 28 kids in front of you and you're having to meet all of their needs. Instructional time actually can take less time per student Uh, You're not spending a a half an hour on math. Maybe you're spending 10 or 15 minutes, depending on 
how old they are, that it's a lot of just uh, reading aloud and hands-on and, and really just living your lives. And we have to remember too, that during the public school day, they spend an awful lot of time waiting for each other, waiting for everybody to get the concept of whatever lesson, standing in line, waiting at the door and doing things like that. It's a lot of um, classroom management and you don't have to do that in the same way as when you're at home. Yeah, I read and I'll try to see if I can find this article. It's old and it was out of the UK, but a teacher timed throughout the entire public school day how much instructional time for an elementary school class was actually given. And it was right about or under three hours. The rest of the time was spent redirecting the class and lining up and things like that. And I know for our family personally, you know, I have three kids, my oldest just turned 12. I can count on you know, a handful of times that our homeschool day has gone over four hours. It's very rare unless we're working on a project. Well, and when you look at the public school, you know, how do states count public school. In North Dakota, we count it as contact days and contact hours. They are not measuring the amount of learning that's going on. They are measuring the amount of time that you are in contact with a teacher. When you look at the homeschooling aspect, you kind of have to throw that whole schedule out the window. There's no requirement on when you start and when you end. There's no requirement on when you can take vacation and when you cannot. There's no requirement on when you have to standardize test or if you have to standardize test. So you are freed up from all of the schedule aspect of traditional public or private school. It will depend on your state and some states do require standardized testing, but there are ways to navigate that in a way that works. You're so right, Annie, that it's looking at measurement in a totally different way because schools are at a loss. How do you measure learning? And that's always been the tricky thing for the public school system is the best way they can do it is is in days and hours, like you're saying. And one of the things when you start to think like a homeschooler, you think in terms of do they really get it, not what grade did they get? Mm-hmm. And so similar to Lindsay, I don't grade. Uh, I teach for mastery. If my kids are doing a math lesson and they miss more than 10%, they need to redo the lesson, however long that takes them. So we're teaching for mastery, which is not a great because you could get 70% of them right and still pass the class. But that's not what we're trying to do is just pass. For me, it's like the aha moment when you see it in your kids, when something just clicks with them, when they get it, you can't grade that. You can't put that on a time frame or anything like that. It's just, you see it click in their eyes. Like, oh, I get it. I understand it that's not measurable by a standard. Another thing along those lines, kind of speaking to schedule too, is not just the school day schedule, but the schedule that we impose on children to learn certain things at certain ages. My youngest is seven and he can read short words, but he has zero desire to read right now. He wants to be outside on the swing and on the slack line and practicing karate, watching YouTube videos. That is what he wants to do right now. So when we sit down for reading lessons, they're very short and I don't really push him to do more than he's able to or really cares to do right now because then it's just frustrating for both of us. My oldest, on the other hand, was reading at four and a half. You know, by school standards, my oldest would be ahead, but my youngest would be behind because he just turned seven and he's not really reading fluently as an upcoming second grader. But I'm not worried about it because I've done this already twice with two other kids. And I realized there is such a wide spectrum of when kids start to read. And until, like Heather said, they have that aha moment, it's really frustrating 
frustrating uh, for both the parent and the child mm-hmm. to just let them mature and grow at their own pace has been something I wouldn't have thought about doing, I think, if we hadn't homeschooled. Mm-hmm. I'll admit, when I first started homeschooling, I thought I needed, you know, detailed teacher plans for every day, for every subject, for everything. And I had a schedule down and we were going to do every single thing until I checked it off. And that's not what our life looks like now. Like Annie said, teaching for mastery, but also just teaching. I don't want to say what's important and implying that there's things that are being taught that's unimportant, but we prioritize what Mm -hmm. we want to teach and what we want to learn. Say for instance, if there is a pandemic or social injustice, we can easily reroute our days and our lessons to accommodate what we want to prioritize our kids to learn about at any time. There's an author I really like named John Taylor Gatto, and he was actually a public school teacher in the New York City public schools for many years. He won teacher of the year for the city and teacher of the year for the state of New York. And he actually, (laughs) he was super subversive and really speaks out. He has a great book called Dumbing Us Down, The Hidden Curriculum of Compulsory Schooling. And his argument is that all the school system really teaches our children to do is to obey a time clock and to get things done in a certain amount of time to basically follow a bell system and deadlines and that it prepares them for the industrial world for working someday. And he talks about the amount of time that is taken from children by television today. And I guess we could probably add the internet to that and by public school that out of their 112 waking hours a week, they spend 55 hours watching television and 45 traveling to and from school, being in school and doing homework. And that leaves them about 12 hours of time to play and imagine and to do all the other things that kids really need to do. And Brene Brown, I'm reading her book right now, The Gifts of Imperfection. And she talks about how we have overscheduled ourselves and how we have overscheduled our kids. And I thought that was really pertinent because with homeschooling, you just don't have to overschedule. You can underschedule. Also, the expansion of the idea of what is learning. You know, our kids, if they're outside playing and climbing, learning how to climb a tree, learning how to use your body to do something like that, looking at bugs, baking banana bread, all of those things can be considered part of school. And going back to the comment about spending contact hours with a teacher. So that means our kids get like what? (laughs) 14 hours hours a day of school time because (laughs) their parent is their teacher. So why are we worrying about counting hours, right? (laughs) When you talk about using your body and learning how your body moves in response to the environment, one of my brother's best friends is an ER doctor. And so I was chatting with him and I was like, John, you must see a lot of farm kids. You know, like my kids are beat up all the time. Like we've had two total emergency room visits on three kids. I said, but you must see a lot of other farm kids. He's like, nope. Do you know who I see? City kids who spend their whole days inside and then they decide to go camping for the weekend and they have no idea how to walk on a log. (laughs) And they fall and scrape themselves. He's like, I can tell you the kids who spend time outside in nature, scrambling and climbing and jumping and swimming. They know their bodies and they hardly ever get hurt. That makes total sense. One of the first things we do in the morning is I I throw them out the door. Go on play before it gets too hot. We're in we're in Tennessee and it's summers are hot here and right now it's like get up and get out before eight o'clock because you just have the opportunity to get some fresh air. I have a friend too who is her six-year-old boy was diagnosed. Well, I shouldn't say diagnosed. The school wanted him to be diagnosed as ADHD because he was struggling to pay attention in class and sit in a seat. Well, come to find out they only have recess for 15 minutes twice a day. Mm -hmm. And 
seven-year-old boys are super active. And so she pulled him out and then he's done great because he can get up and move. He can stand up and do whatever he needs to do. He can get up and leave and walk around when he needs to. And he gets all this movement that we're not seeing with kids today. One of the biggest health concerns, of course, what are adults focused on right now? Don't sit at your desk all day. People have standing desks, walking desks, treadmill desks, stationary bike desks. And yet we ask our kids to sit in school buildings for six hours a day. When you're new to homeschooling, you think, oh my gosh, I have to have all the subjects. And there has to be a textbook for every subject. And I include myself in this former public school teacher. When we come at it, we think that the curriculum will be the teacher. Mm. And if we can find the right curriculum, then homeschooling won't be that bad. And that's not true. Curriculum will not save you. That's my caution to those of you who are thinking about homeschooling and you're overwhelmed by all the curriculum. Curriculum will not be the answer. It's a tool that you use, but it will not teach your children. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have to echo that because I've had a lot of people reach out to me, especially recently, some folks who are getting ready to send their oldest off to kindergarten. And now because of the pandemic are thinking about homeschooling for kindergarten. They keep asking me, what curriculum would you use for kindergarten? And most of the time they don't like my answer very much because I say, well, you should bake, you should read a lot of books and you should go outside. And they're like, okay, but what about spelling? <laughs> and yep. really, you know, for kindergarten, you don't really need to do a lot of book work type of curriculum, maybe a little handwriting practice here and there. But even that you don't have to use a workbook for, you can use the salt tray, you can use Play-Doh to strengthen their hands and things like that. But I think you're totally right, Annie. And I know I have fallen into that trap many times mm-hmm. thinking if we've had a tough year, like, oh, I better switch curriculum next year because that will really help out. Well, I think there is value in evaluating different curriculums that work for your children just to always remember that it's a tool that you have and you can use it or not. And you can modify it and don't have to feel like you need to check all the boxes. You know, mid-year, something's not working. A book is not jiving for your kid. Set the book down, pick up another one, find something they love. One of the things about thinking like a homeschooler is you can start thinking about in terms of who do I want my kid to be? And what do I want them to come away with? Do I want them to have read and analyzed Mark Twain's Huckleberry Finn? Or do I want them to love books? Do I want them to have a passion for reading and for people and community and culture? What can I do to inspire that in them? So I think we take a stance of how do I inspire my kids and encourage them to explore ideas, to explore their passions, to grow into well-rounded people. We're raising people, not just students. It's about bringing up your kids. So you start to think about it from a more holistic perspective rather than just about academics, which is baking and outdoor play and dress up and you know all the things kids do. And for teenagers too, teenagers need a lot of sleep. And mm-hmm. the teenagers I know who are homeschooling, they are roll out of bed till 10 o'clock in the morning. And what a mercy. When I was teaching high school, which I did for 10 years, kids were rolling in at seven and they were not ready. Yeah. And so that too, for teenagers, homeschooling can be a blessing because it can allow their body clocks to function the way that they want to function. So as a homeschool parent too, you can just take a breath and sit back and say, I can let my teenager sleep and they can do you know what they need to do in the afternoon. Yeah. I don't know what grade it was. It was a couple of years ago. So maybe by time my oldest was maybe third grade-ish or something like that. We weren't doing alarms yet or anything like that, but she she was starting to sleep later and later. And I, I remember mentioning to my husband, like, hey, you know, like, do you think we should get her an alarm clock so she should start getting up? And he just, he thought for a minute and he was like, 
she's going to need an alarm clock the rest of her life. Let's not start her right now. And so during the school year now that she's going into high school, like, yes, I have a time that they need to be up by, but it's because we have a lot of afternoon homeschool activities. So we don't have all day to just dilly dally and take our time. We have to get out of the house for activities for them. So they do get up now. But yeah, I remember thinking, yeah, you're right. You know, like why start them getting up with an alarm clock now when they don't have to, we have the beauty of being home and not having to go anywhere. So it probably sounds like a lot of what we're saying contradicts itself because we're saying you can have a schedule, but you don't need a schedule and you can be relaxed, but you can also have these plans. <laughs> and I guess really what it is, is that you figure out how to make the curriculum and the plan and the schedule fit your family, not make your family fit into some box. Homeschooling can work for you and you can figure out how to make it work for you. And all four of us are making it work for us in very different ways, in very different situations. You know, three of us have businesses or work full-time. One of us is on a farm. Well, actually, two of you are on a farm. We have a flower (laughs) farmer and a farmer farmer in this group. And, you know, I work full-time. I have a corporate job that I have to attend to eight to five, and I homeschool around that corporate job. We've made it work for us because my kids don't know anything else. I've figured out ways to make it work. You can make it work. Even working parents, working parents who are figuring out how to do this pandemic thing, I promise you, you can make it work. You just have to find a way that works for you. And I think that's key to know that there's not going to be anybody else who homeschools like you homeschool. There's not one other homeschool family out there that homeschools just like me. Even my best friend, we don't homeschool identically. We do things a lot differently. There's comparison in everything. But I think with homeschool, that's like, oh, this curriculum or this schedule or this routine or this morning time or this activity, your homeschool is not going to be like anybody else's homeschool. Yep. I think that's absolutely true. And at the same time, there are millions of parents homeschooling now. There are millions of kids who are being homeschooled now in this country. And there are great support systems online. As much as we probably don't love the internet or say we don't love the internet, the internet can be such a place of connection for homeschool parents. And you can find a support system. Every city has some kind of local organization and you can glean from other people. You don't have to copy them, but you can just take bits and pieces and say, oh, that might work for me. Oh, that might work for me. And you have the freedom too to try something. And if it fails, then you move on to the next thing and you don't get hung up on it. Nobody's watching over your shoulder to check and see what's working for you or what isn't. It's up to you to decide. So there's so much empowerment in that. Mm-hmm. One of the things John Taylor Gatto writes about too is the control of the public school system and other institutions over family life because of the amount of homework, the amount of time extracurriculars demand, and extracurriculars are great. Kids need them and want the social time and they can be really enriching. But that school has infringed on family time. So how can we reclaim that? And homeschooling is a way that you can reclaim that. Absolutely. You know, a good portion of our homeschool time is manners, attitudes, behavior, kindness, treating their siblings with respect. That alone takes up a good portion of our homeschool day, right? Because my kids are not leaving my house you know, when it's time for them to leave the nest and not being decent humans. Agreed. <laughs> I mean, right. That's, I would say that's probably a big majority of the homeschool mentality, caring more about the heart than the smart. Mm. Oh, that's a good yeah, like marketing line. Family. More about the heart <laughs> over the smart. I think when I first started to look into homeschooling, I was really interested in it from an academic point of view. And 
every year that we continue to homeschooling, the academics are less and less important to me. I always say now that I just want my kids to be prepared for what they want to do as adults. So that means that they're probably going to have some gaps in their education, but guess what? All of us do. I think especially right now, Americans are figuring out we have serious gaps in our history curriculums from growing up. And that's the beauty of it because we never stop learning, right? So we fill those gaps as adults. So my kids are going to have gaps. I'm not going to be able to cover everything. But if they leave my house with kindness and being able to be good citizens and support themselves, those are pretty much my ultimate goals right now, way more than academic. Most people's first introduction to homeschooling is usually watching the National Spelling Bee Mm. or seeing an article (laughs) about someone who passed the bar at age 19. (laughs) or whatever, and they were homeschooled, and they think, oh, well, it's just you homeschool, your kids are going to be geniuses. Similar to you, when I started, one of the veteran homeschool moms said to me, what good is it if they can speak five different languages, but none of them in love? Mm. I feel like we need a mic drop. Yeah. (laughs) Truth bomb. We talked about closing each episode by asking the question, what is saving your homeschool right now? So let's hear from everybody. What is saving your homeschool right now? Our co-op canceled classes for this upcoming school year. So that's been a big wrench thrown into my homeschool plan. So I'd say right now, the community that I have to just, you know, hash things out and talk about things and contemplate just the choices that we have for next year. While I feel, you know, anxious, not knowing exactly what we're going to do next year, there's still a piece that I have. And I'm actually excited about getting some things back that I was going to have co-op teach. So right now, the thing that's saving me is just the community and being able to think out loud with other homeschooling moms about, okay, well, I was going to do this and now I'm thinking about doing this. And so that's saving me right now. What is saving my homeschool this week is online school supply shopping. <gasps> I did a big <laughs> online buy and just put it all in a cart and it's being delivered tomorrow and Friday. And then also being able to buy curriculum online. One of my favorite resources is Rainbow Resources. And they have tons of different curriculum. They do have a really nice website. Their catalog is amazing if you want an in-hand catalog. It's bigger than a phone book. But they really do a nice job of explaining each different curriculum, age group that it's appropriate for. On the website, they will often have reviews by homeschool parents. So you can get kind of a user's review of it. My kids are starting French this year. That is their request. Their mother does not speak French. What are we going to do? So spent some time reviewing different French curriculum and we do a lot of self-paced, self-directed learning. I couldn't be up there teaching. Number one, I do not speak French. Number two, I don't want to be teaching. How are they going to do that? I love being able to look at those different curriculums online without having to go into any store or have things shipped, try out. I can just look online. What is saving my homeschool this week is used book websites. Um, Oh, yes. (laughs) We're using a very literature heavy spine for our history, uh, literature and geography studies this year. I think for just my daughter's fifth grade curriculum alone, I had to order 43 new books for her. And... that can get really pricey. So Abe books and thrift books are two of my favorites. I will tell you, it has been so fun though. The UPS or the Amazon guy and everybody coming, all 
the time with big boxes of books for me and we're cleaning off the old shelves and stocking the new ones. So we're getting pretty excited for our fall semester coming up. We just finished that up. I so concur. It's, it's so fun when they start coming and they just keep coming and coming and coming and coming. (laughs) It's it's Christmas, Christmas in July. New books. I love it. It's like that line from You've Got Mail, a bouquet of freshly sharpened pencils. Oh, yes. Yes. (laughs) That is this time of the year. Yes. Um, for me, it is, this is the, just the end of the year wrap up. A lot of people have finished already and we're still kind of dragging on. And it is that point where we have finished a lot of things. And so we're done with history. We're done with science. We do math year round. So we're still doing just a little bit of math every day, but we're really savoring finishing up the read alouds that we have because it's really the only thing we have left to do. And so it's that time of savoring the last lingering things before you take a little break and then we'll take like a month off before we launch into the next year. I really love that. I love it when things drop off and you just have like a partial schedule Mm. of all the good books and art. Just really enjoying those things. You've been listening to the Relatable Homeschoolers podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. You can find links to all the books and resources we mention on the show at our website, therelatablehomeschoolers.com. We would love to hear your homeschooling questions. You can email us at therelatablehomeschoolers at gmail.com. You can also connect with us on Facebook and Instagram at The Relatable Homeschoolers. We'd love it if you leave a rating and review for us on iTunes. It only takes a minute and we'll ensure more homeschooling mamas get to hear our show. We'll be back with another episode soon. Until then, happy homeschooling schooling.